0: to the AO Trauma North America Mentor-Mentee Interview Series. I'm Stephen Shiman, an orthopedic trauma surgeon at Harbor UCLA Medical Center. Thank you for tuning in. I would like to remind you that the video recordings of the Mentor-Mentee Interviews are available on the AO Trauma North America YouTube channel. And don't forget to check out other Mentor-Mentee Interviews on the AO Trauma North America Spotify channel or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: My name is Matt Camuso. I'm an orthopedic surgeon here in Maine, and I'm with my mentor, uh, friend, uh, and um, retiring partner, uh, Dr. Raymond White, who's today um, spending his last time uh, formally with us after a 40-year career uh, in orthopedic trauma.
0: What's your philosophy? Take great care of the patients. Get them in, get them seen, take care of them, do the absolute best job that you possibly can on everybody. Yeah. So our philosophy is seeing everybody every day. And I think one of the proudest things I'm proud about our office was, is that, you know, we saw 90% of all patients within one day of when they wanted to be seen. And so our staff, our philosophy of our staff, what we told the staff was the only question that you should ask the patient or even more importantly, a referring physician is when do you, so the referring physician, when do you want your patient seen? And for a patient, when do you want to be seen? And our philosophy was if we you know, always was if you didn't see them that day, then you had to see them the next day. If I made you wait six weeks to see me, you expected to see God, which is a high jump bar I couldn't clear. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and if, if I saw and if I saw you that day, I just had to get across the threshold sober. <laughs> <laughs> the threshold of the exam sober, Ooh, that's so that's right yeah and i think that that's
1: reflected in our practice i mean people are so appreciative of the care that they receive yeah. in our group yeah. right? uh, yeah. from the from the people that answer the phones yeah. you know all the way to the office manager and to the to the surgeons yeah. um, you know they
0: appreciate what we do well and, the, and the make, it makes everybody look good yeah. I and mean, the staff looks great because somebody calls up and the staff says Oh, you can come in and be seen. We'll see you today. You know, we're going to answer your call. And we're going to answer your call expediently. And if it doesn't get answered by the front, it goes all the way around, around the office. You know, That's why sometimes our phones will ring in the back office and you and I will pick them up. It'll be some patient on the phone. Exactly. And we say, okay, we'll get, you, we'll get you seen. But it doesn't go into terminal hold. So
1: when I look back at a 40-year career in orthopedic traumatology, there's not a lot of People that can say that yeah. right I mean many people start out as fracture surgeons, traumatologists, but they they don't go the whole career right? right they they sort of branch off to do foot and ankle or joints or something else and I mean to my knowledge
0: you're one of the few guys that has done it his whole career i don't I don't, I don't know of you know I think there are some guys in academia that may have done it, but when I started here 38 years ago i was the first full-time orthopedic traumatologist in private practice in the country and i think the reason i've been able to do it so long one is pace i used to be a long distance runner so i never did anything fast (laughs) (laughs) so it was pace you know i didn't try to like do a billion cases you know i mean i talked to people say i did you know 250 acetabular fractures that year. Well, you know, that's fine. But then the next year, you're dead. Yeah. So, I mean, we we always had a pace. And I always had a, a good partner, you know. I always had somebody else that helped me do trauma. I had Don and Jersey at first, and then George Babican and Phil Anson way before all of them, and then you came. And so that's why the last 14, 15, 16 years have been good because we've gotten along perfectly well.
1: What advice would you give to, you know, a young uh, orthopedic surgeon who envisions himself being someone like you doing a, you know, a career in orthopedic trauma? Because, again, it hasn't been done, you know, often.
0: No, I, I think that the first is you have to find a good partner. You have to go someplace where people respect what you do. Um, in other words you can go any place and be a traumatologist and you know work for a big group of that includes like sports and joints and everything else and they'll work you to death they'll give you let you take care of all their shit and pay you shit while they're making big money and not taking any call and not having any inconvenience that's not fair so when i joined our group orthopedic associates years ago it was equal pay everybody got paid equally and when you do that and, and granted, I understand that that model eventually got changed. But you have to treat the trauma guys fairly, which is why you and I left Orthopedic Associates because they stopped treating us fairly. Um, so you have to go to a place where you're 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 compensated fairly, where people appreciate what you do. Partners is what you started
1: out. Partners. About. It's still partners. You know. It's still partners. I, I, I just have to say this. You know, um, I I feel exactly the same way when when junior. Um, faculty say well you know how did you choose i got lucky um you know i found this place with great partners and you kind of can't you don't really know you know until you're there with them and i i remember knowing when um you uh you know when i was first here called and said hey is there anything i can do to get you out of there and that that continued you know up and until this week you know i mean at 69 years old you were calling me asking me if uh if there's anything, you know, that you could do for me to get me out. And and I think I try to do the same thing to you. And (laughs) it's about respecting each other and, um, and, you know, just trying to together as a team,
0: you know, get all the work done. So, I mean, that's the thing about partners. I mean, it's, it would be absolutely unfair. I couldn't, in some of its philosophy, I couldn't go home. I couldn't go to the golf course at five o'clock in the afternoon and (laughs) tee the ball up. No one, that you were in the operating room and going to be there till 8 o'clock at night when all I had to do was go see two or three patients in the emergency room so that you could go home at 7. Everybody should go home at the same time. But not everyone is that way, and, and somehow you got to
1: choose the guy who's going to be your partner who has that in his heart. you, you got to have that in your heart. Has it in his heart. Early on in your career, you, were, you got involved with the AO. Yep. How did,
0: tell, take us through that. How did it happen, and, and what's the AO mean to you? So I first got involved with the AO because my first partner was Jim Hughes. Um, Actually, I got sort of new about the AO because the guy that that first got me interested in trauma surgery was David Selickson in Vermont. And he was one of the, when he first got interested in internal fixation, um, he, he went to Switzerland and he got it as a you know, went to an AO course and came back as an absolute convert. And I always mm-hmm. say, there's religious people are painful enough, but the worst are converts. <laughs> <laughs> because they're so zealous. They're so zealous. And Selickson was an absolute zealot when it came to this, this internal fixation stuff. And so he got totally enamored. And as a result of it, I got to meet some of the really, truly great of fracture surgery at that time and subsequent. You know, Ted Hansen, Jim Hughes, I met Bob Zickel, the wow. Zickle nail, wow. and one of the most, and so I, Selickson put together this, the ultimate fireside session. So I'll never forget as long as I live, I was a junior resident. And the fireside was Jim Hughes, Selickson, Bob Zickel, and Ted Hansen. And we sat around and grilled burgers and drank beers and showed those guys, those four guys, like the residents. Well, there weren't very many residents. We had a small program. Yeah. Uh, showed them cases, and it was like the most most interesting educational session I think I can ever remember. And and how you know passionate these guys were about fixing stuff and, and different philosophies. What year was that? It must have been in the seventies. That would have been in seventy. Let's see, I finished my residency. So it would have been 79 or so. Yeah. I mean it hadn't been around that long. No, no, no. So there were like at that time there were like 10 guys. The AO group yeah. was That's 10 cool. guys. You know, it was you know Marshall Horowitz and Bruce Malin and uh, Howard Rosen, mm-hmm. Ted Hansen. Uh, there just weren't Phil Spiegel. I mean, it was just like this little group of guys. And then it subsequently grew. So then I went to Mississippi and spent time with Jim Hughes. I was there for two years. uh, And Jim Hughes was one of my mentors, and the other mentor was a guy named Frazier Ward. He was a brilliant surgeon, a brilliant surgeon. And, you know, I remember having this acetabular fracture. And, you know, no one was talking about acetabular fractures. Yeah, You know, yeah, no, I remember the (laughs) first anterior approach that we did with Selexon as a resident. And I tell people, I said, that, we did it with the book open in the operating room. And the only guy that could read it was Seligson because it was in French. So we had, <laughs> we right. had he, you know, Litronel's <clears throat> book in French in the operating room. Oh my so, I mean, you know, you can imagine trying to do the anterior repair, trying to read it in French. We had no freaking <laughs> clue. We were so, <laughs> we were so this, this to that. Oh, man. So, um, so but Fraser Ward could do all that stuff. Frasier Ward could fix acetabums, fix pelvises, take care of non-unions. And he taught me a ton. And then so Jim Hughes was very involved in the AO at that time, very involved. And so I got involved doing AO courses. So my first AO course was in Dallas, Texas. And I'll never forget as long as I live, I met my you know, lifelong friend Keith Mayo there oh is that right yeah. is that where you met keith? keith and i were we're table instructors oh right and it was it a two dirt balls immediately <laughs> right because a table instructor meant at that stage you were just getting a chance to become oh, yeah, a yeah. faculty oh, member right yeah. i don't right. even think we even gave lectures right and keith was a chief resident at the time and ted hansen sent him out and so we immediately hit it off we ran on the dallas river and i'll never forget that i showed this case from the Leslie V. Rush Hospital in Meridian, Mississippi. So the guy, Rush Rod, oh, right, yeah. was Leslie V. Rush. Right, yeah. He was in Meridian, Mississippi, which is across the state. And we got some unbelievably great right. stuff from him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, some disasters. So And I said, and we're doing one of these, like, uh, uh, like little fireside sessions. Yeah. And I said, in my usual <laughs> indignant <laughs> like, way, when, I was, when I was 30 years old, I said, this was done by a general surgeon in, at, at the Leslie D. Rush Hospital in Meridian, Mississippi. And Martin Algoner was the foreign faculty. Oh, wow. And Martin, who was, any of you ever met Martin, was absolutely bigger than life. And he glowered over me. Who was also a general surgeon. Who was also a general surgeon. <laughs> and his glasses went down like this. And he looked at me right in the eye. And he said, young man, I am a general surgeon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <I'm listening. laughs> if I could have crawled out of the room, I would have. And he and I subsequently became great friends, yeah. became very good friends. And, and I actually reminded him of that story. It, was, it, took, it took me a lot of balls and about a lot of drinks and a couple of years, you know, many, many years after that. And he had mellowed out a lot. And I told him that story. He says, "I don't remember that." I said, "Thank God. That's why you're still my that's why why
1: my friend today." It's funny what each person remembers yeah. with those with yeah. those sorts of interactions. Well, I mean, he, I'm I'm
0: this little teeny guy, and yeah. you know, he's like the giant. You know, and he's not going to remember some interaction with some peon like me.
1: So fast forward, I don't know, twenty years, thirty years, and um, you know, among all the other things that you did in the AO, including um, working for the Alumni Council and uh, going back and forth to Davos, you know, probably a hundred times. Maybe at oh, to, to go five times a year. <clears throat> five times a year, back a and lot. forth to Europe. Yeah. Um, you settled into this New England community and and created this thing called the New England Fracture Summit um, that really, I think even to this day is still regarded as one
0: of the great courses that the AO in North America puts on. Well, it started, that started as a offshoot of, when I first moved here in 83, there was like nothing in New England, okay? I mean, it was, uh, I remember when I was a resident, the guys in Boston, made a public statement that they would go anywhere in the country and testify against somebody that plated a tibia and got an infection because plating tibias was malpractice. That was in the early 80s. And even Ted Hanson, who came out in like 81 or so to do a fellowship, he did a a, a sabbatical sabbatical, with Nat Gould in Vermont. And I remember he spent a lot of time going back and forth to Boston to try to convince these people that internal fixation really was an acceptable thing. So when I moved here in 83, the, the guys around, it was me and Jesse Jupiter and Peter Trafton. Peter Trafton had just moved from San Francisco and Jesse had been in Boston. So we were young guys at the time. And, and how did you meet them? How did you hook up with those guys? I can't remember exactly how I met them. How we came. You know, I think it was Steve Scheimer, who was the was a synthes regional guy right. that got us all together. Yeah. And and so we started this New England fracture, we called it the New England, New England Fracture Study. The study group, right? The study group. And so it was me, Tom Christensen, uh, Peter Trafton, Jesse Jupiter, Phil Anson, a few other guys, but guys from pretty much all around the all around the region. And we the concept was is that we would meet with our families like once a year and have like a weekend meeting. And we would present stuff that, that we could clearly show to ourselves. But it was just a small little group of people. But it grew, right? But it grew. I mean, you, guys, it grew. you guys got together like yearly? Yeah, you got together yearly for yeah. probably 10 years or more. And it was just you. It was just that small group initially. It was small, it was, you know, like, I think the largest I ever got to was like 15 or 20 guys. It wasn't big. But then it became a meeting, right? I mean, that so became then, like a. Yeah. So then, so then, actually, Mark Veras kind of hijacked it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we, and I laugh about that now, but it was it was sort of it, what what happened was the idea was as young guys, and the young guys got older, yeah. And the new guys weren't coming in, but we got great new guys. You know, like Mike Branda came on yeah. board. And, yeah, yeah at Roland and just all kinds of people would, would come and go, but it was like losing a little bit of energy. And then Mark Veras had, had decided he was going to have like a course and he did it the same weekend that our study group was. And so he and I had this like, mm, got and then afterwards we decided that, why don't we try to join the two, you know, just to, to do it on the same weekend. And basically the course took over for the other. and way to the betterment you know i mean it was i mean the 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 chemistry that mark and i and had and and jesse Mm -hmm. so jesse was part of it because we ran that course for a long time and so instead of just 10 or 15 guys it became like 50 guys uh, and gals that you know were would come to this thing and so it was it was it was more organized and it had the power of the ao behind it and it became, a, you know, a very, a really good course.
1: Any regrets? Anything that you would do differently? We talked about lots of things that you did well, and I could talk forever about the things that you did well. But what might you do differently if you were to go back and
0: do it all over? I think I would have made a more. I think it was my choice to live in a smaller town, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that for a while. I mean, I. I I, you know me, I could never have lived in a big city. It's like I told you when you moved. People said, why do you move here? Remember that? Why? Because I can go outside any door of my house and take a leak? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> that was part of the interview. That's part of I the think interview. you wanted to see how I was going to react to that. <laughs> <laughs> so I never would have fit well in New York City or Los Angeles or Chicago. even. So, But I would have, and I and I approached people, I would have loved to have had a really world-class fracture center of excellence in other words a place where people could where other orthopedic surgeons could feel free to send their complex cases i think that you and i did it clearly in new england I mean, i think that we get people from new hampshire and all of maine obviously and you know regionally in new hampshire send us their problem cases but it would have in some ways it would have been nice to have had more you know an organized center where we could have taken care of more complex cases and done a little bit more, you know, scientific research about it. We've had residents and yeah. visit us in,
1: the, in in recent years and, and to a person they come out saying, this is just the most incredible yeah. experience that they've had. And I think most of it is because of you and your teaching. Yeah, I, I think focused. that if I were to, if I were to look back, on your career, I, I, I would say, boy, it would have been nice to have, you know, a a junior learner, um, you know, here during that time because you have so much to teach and so much to give and, and are so passionate about it. Um, that, uh,
0: and hopefully we can, we can make that happen. Yeah, No, I mean, I, I, you know, having a fellow is always fun. Yeah. We've had, we've had some great fellows that have hopefully learned a lot and we've influenced their careers. And the other thing is I like doing my own surgery that's why you and I are here. You know mm-hmm. I mean? We, we truly like doing surgery. I mean, you know, we were yesterday, we were in there digging around each other, fighting each other. The case. It's just, yeah, it's I mean, just what we do. Talk about
1: that. I mean, I, I tell people all the time that I, um, I try to scrub in with my favorite partner, you know, at least once, once a week, if I can, or at least go in and see what he's doing and look over
0: his shoulder and, um, What's the benefit in that? So that's where the stuff gets advanced. Okay. It, I mean, how many times have we, and, and before you, it was George Babkin, that we, you know, you'd be sitting there doing a case and you're like, oh, what do I do now? But when there's two of you in there, while well, one guy's working, the other guy's thinking. And he says, why don't we try this? And then the, the synergy comes in. If you were there by yourself, you'd say, oh, I don't know. That's like yesterday. <laughs> we were trying to figure out whether we were going to do the, use the new hip screw for a femoral neck fraction. It was, you know, it's not FDA approved. And I came to you and I said, what do you think? He says,
1: "Hell yes, use it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> since since when is something off-label, so you ever scared, you know, you or I from doing ever. something? It's yeah, like no, when, right. we're used to doing stuff off-label. No question about it. But but that's where the, the working together with another party. You you learn a move that you didn't have before. You know, you always learn something from everybody. Know, and uh yeah you're not weak by
1: um, asking questions of your partners right you're not weak by going in and no. um, scrubbing with them and you're certainly not weak asking them to scrub in with you on a no. difficult case no. Right?
0: no it's like i've told i've I, I i guarantee you this is the case i've asked you for help more times than you've asked me for help well i don't know about that i mean that, that's but i've always
1: um felt completely um Without shame, when I asked for your help, I you know, I've never felt it. like you would look down on me for asking for help or, um, you know, wonder why I was asking yeah. for help. You are always, yep, yeah, let's do it, we'll get yeah. in there together and we'll
0: get it done. And that's the other thing is, you know, I don't care how experienced you are. I mean, in the last month, I've asked you for help because I got into something that I, I just and and you know, I examined why surgeons get frustrated in the operating room. Because if I give you, like the case we did yesterday, it was a complex case. We thought it out. We knew we were going to have problems, okay? And you anticipate them ahead of time, and you do them. Like the other day, we did a, I did a humorous, and I said, I just told the PI, I said, listen, you just have to accept the fact that, it's going to, that the approach is going to take us, you know, a half hour or 45 minutes. It's just, that's just the way it is. We've got to find the nerve, and it's going to take time. There's no rush here. And, and so it's the same with complex cases. You just don't rush through them and you realize it's gonna take you time and you try to anticipate as many things. When we get frustrated in the operating room, it's when we don't know what the hell we're gonna do next. <laughs> oh shit, what am I gonna do now? That's, just, what, that's when flight or fright takes place. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, used to call it the Ray White conservative rule, never do anything for the first time. well we're probably about out of time okay so um
1: i just it's a very sad day for me and uh, i want to tell you from the bottom of my heart how appreciative i am of all the mentorship uh and more
0: importantly the friendship No, that's the most important that's the most important thing get a partner that can be your friend